The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. It was a wild one in the NFL playoffs, especially in the AFC. NFC, okay, you know, there were games that were close, but didn't quite have the drama and the surprise like we had in the AFC. So really exciting things with uh, what happened there. We'll recap that. Utah State basketball with a nice win, getting back into the win column after three losses. Uh, what are the latest net rankings look like? What are the latest Mountain West standings look like after another weekend of action? Um, New Mexico is in the news for good reasons and not good reasons. And uh, Utah Jazz on a, continuing their hot streak. So a lot of different things we're going to get through. And, of course, uh, the big news is we just heard at the top of the hour there, big penalties handed down from Major League Baseball to the Houston Astros uh, and Ajay, I want to lead with that. Is it enough? Was it too much? Um, or should there have been more from so, Major League Baseball? Timeout. Uh, let's let's just make sure we got the story straight, or at least the crime straight. They uh, illegally were sending signs to players by camera or signals or whatever it is to get the catcher signs and relay those signs to the batter to tip off the pitch that was coming. And the punishment was, and this is, by the way, throughout the, I think, wait, in the World Series, and the punishment for it was $5 million, which probably comes in one paycheck to Jose Altuve, the suspension, which then led later on to the firing of A.J. Hinch and the GM, uh... First and second round draft picks in the next t- two years of drafts. Am I missing anything, or is that it? The, that's yeah. They, they lose the draft picks. They fi- the organization is fined five million dollars, and uh, Lunau and Hinch were suspended for a year. Okay, so then let's go back through those punishments then, and give a counterfeit. Go ahead. Well, just in, in addition to that, Astros owner said, "You guys are fired." Okay. So let's go let's go to the counterpart of that. The five million I was already mentioned, Jose Altuve probably makes that in one paycheck, no problem. It's a scratch on the surface. A little it's it's not even a sniff of the cash he has laying inside his bank account. Two still five million is the most I mean that's a significant fine that major league baseball. Every has. player could put in put in a million and cover the and cover the fine easily. Okay. All right. Uh the draft picks really don't I, I feel like the baseball draft is is gr- good. But it's not as impactful as it would be in the NFL or NBA because there's so many rounds. Uh, and then you got the single A, high single A, double A, triple A, uh, you know, all that stuff. Like there's just so many players that are coming and going that I don't think it affects it at all. Unless you have Bo Jackson as your number one pick or Willie Mays or Barry Bonds, I just don't see it as that big of a, is that impactful? So, yeah, they do lose their first and second round draft picks. It, they still got players coming up through the farm system through via trades or anything else. My question is, is if they used it in the World Series, why are they not being, 
Why is that World Series not being removed from their trophy case? Look, Reggie Bush accepted money or traded money or got money in return for gifts or whatever the situation was. He lost his Heisman Trophy. Uh, who else? Um, I think Maurice Claret, or I guess some sold their rings or jerseys, whatever. Chris Webber accepted gifts, and they lost their national championship, or I guess their, I guess banners, right, or recognition of their accomplishments as a Fab Five. So why the heck is there not the same sort of legitimate punishment for that? This is weak. This is a really, really weak statement by the MLB, and I think that it will keep happening. Here, uh, I want to get to some of the things that came out from the report and how Houston Astros responded, and then I'll give you my opinion on this. Okay. Um, this is uh, owner Jim Crane in a, a little press conference today announcing that Luno and, and Hinch would be fired. He says, quote, neither one of them started this, but neither one of them did anything about it, close quote. Additional information that was revealed in the investigation is that um, that Hinch and Lunau, um, well, they said if they engage in any future material violations, they'll be placed in the league's permanently ineligible list. Uh, additionally, the the report said that it was player-driven. Crane, uh, Jim Crane said that no players will be disciplined. <laughs> Luno and Hinch are going to be banned <laughs> until the day after the final game of the 2020 World Series, despite neither having involvement with the scheme. Audrey, do you see a pattern yeah, no, that I'm, I'm illustrating dude, here? Dude, I'm with I'm just shaking my head. Player-driven. No players disciplined by Major League Baseball. No players suspended or disciplined by the ownership. Yet, the general manager and the manager, the bench coach, um, they will not be able to do anything with Major League Baseball until after the World Series concludes this next year. So my opinion here is, I'm going to go back to what Jim Crane said. Neither one of them started this, but neither one of them did anything about it. And it's, to some degree, Hinch, there were some reports that he tried to damage some video equipment because he was upset that it was still going on, but he didn't outright stop it. There's also information that the, the Astros replay review room, um, it, it started in the... Uh, in 2017 through all of 2017 and continued into part of the 2018 season. But then there, the investigation found no use of illicit technology during this last season. So I'm with you, Ajay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by this. If it was... If general manager and manager did not initiate this, I get it that it's on their watch and everything that that happens, they should be overseeing and aware of this. They allowed it to continue. But where are the disciplined players? Yeah. If Major League Baseball found that players were doing this, why aren't they being disciplined? I'm with you. Why are they? They're the ones that are doing this and making it a bigger deal. Why do they get a hold of their rings? 
and they're not doing anything. Yep, I'm with you. I'm I'm a hundred. Look, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I I think the punishment is is pathetic. It's weak, and it's it's almost it's almost counterintuitive to what they were trying to send the message for. Now, granted, you turn around and say, "Hey, look! Now, if you do it again, you know you'll never be able to coach baseball ever again. Whatever the situation is, why isn't that same threat being held to the players?" I mean, that just and that mind boggles me. Now, the Red Sox are also now being investigated, and from what I think you showed me on Twitter, that that investigation starts today. Yeah, uh, Alex Cora, he's manager of the Red Sox. Now he's been implicated in schemes at both Houston and Boston. Uh, he has not been formally disciplined, but the investigation into his involvement was officially opened today. And through some reports, he is expected to receive a similar harsh penalty once it's uh, once that investigation concludes. So my question is, who gets the worst punishment, Boston or Houston? So um, it would be interesting to see what the the punishment that does come down from Boston. But my guess is that Houston gets the, the stiffer penalty here because there's been this cloud over Houston for a little while. They're like the, the New England Patriots of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And whether they're just kind of dancing on the line or yeah. they're crossing the line, yeah. there's, a, there's this <clears throat> perception that Houston is playing a lot in the gray area. Yeah. No, and that's to true. their benefit. That that's a and great it's got point. a lot of people upset about it when they play. Like when things kind of New England purposely pushes that line, right? I mean, they find to where the most gray area near turns dark. They'll play that line, <laughs> and sometimes maybe a little bit over the gray area. Uh, Houston now, and here's the thing, by the way. Now, everywhere you go, no matter who they play. They're going to get that reaction from, especially on the road, especially on the road, especially when you're facing Texas, anyone in your division, the Yankees, the Red Sox, they're going to hear about it. They will hear about it for 162 games next year. And by the way, if they end up with the best record, guess what? People are going to want to throw an asterisk next to it because they don't know if that's still going on. Because like you said, Eric, the key thing here is that it was was player-driven. So how do we not know it's still going on? Well, so here's something else. Uh, Carlos Beltran, he played for the Rock, uh, the Astros in 2017. Now he's the manager of the New York Mets. Uh, he was implicated by Manfred as one of the players that was involved in decoding signs. Hmm. But he's fine. <laughs> he's off scot-free. Why? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And Alex Cora will probably get the same punishment, and he should, because this is back-to-back teams that he's done this, uh, that he'll receive a year ban, and you would hope that, or a year suspension, you hope that it would turn into a, you know what, we need to let you go. And and the fact that Boston hasn't already responded to it kind of makes me worry just a tad bit. Well, I mean, the Astros didn't respond until the official findings came out. I don't think it. I think it's kind of hard to do that. But you and I discussed this when the investigation was going on, and we knew that a result was going to be coming soon. Mm-hmm. And we debated what what would be the penalty, mm-hmm. and we debated should they be gone from baseball permanently. I felt like we'll probably see suspensions. 
um, there'd probably be some um, some other penalty that would come their way. But I didn't think they'd be banned from baseball. But so it, it's been somewhere in the middle there. And but what I'm surprised and shocked that, that there's the players get their rings, the Astros keep their banner, um, and no players. Even though the report repeatedly says it was player driven, the managers, uh, the general manager, the owner, um, were not involved. Why does it's a way to and and people I was talking to someone today and they said, Well, professional is different than college. Bull crap. You can't tell me that Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, uh, and that group of Fab Five from Michigan gets everything that they worked for taken away for you know receiving money. But then when it comes to when it comes to this, when you are caught cheating, caught cheating red handed. They don't receive any punishment for that season. No takeaway. It's Keep not rece- wins. Right. It's just such a contrast from the other things that you pointed out for. It's not Reggie receiving Bush. benefits while you were there yep. that really have no effect on what's happening in the yeah. field of play. Yeah. This exactly had yeah. results yeah. in with what was going on on the field of play. How frustrating in the game. is it? Yep. How frustrating is it for the Dodgers to to go play a heck of a World Series? And to come out of that knowing that you lost because they cheated. If they didn't have the opportunity or the ability to send signs down to communicate to the batter, does Alex Correa, does uh, Springer, does Jose Altuve, do they hit as well as they do against a stacked Dodgers lineup? Rotation, excuse me. Do they hit that well? Do they make the adjustments? See, and everyone's gonna. All Houston fans are gonna say, "Yeah, yeah, they would have been fine. They're still the best hitters." We don't know that. That Dodgers pitching rotation was the best in the NL that year. They were tearing through teams, and they tore through the playoffs. And then you come in and you're hitting what six seventy five slugging percentage through four games. Makes no sense to me. It is an absolute shame on the MLB for not punishing. Or for not giving out the correct punishment to the most guilty party. And it's amazing. So, um, good on the owner to fire. You know, I think that's the right call to do. But at the same time, uh, players are walking away guilty, hands clean. Well, hands are dirty, but to everyone else, they're clean, at least in, in the MLB. But I'm telling you, that 162 game season might be the longest of their careers. Because everywhere they go, they're going to hear about it. From fans, from media, there's going to be suspicion, as you already mentioned. There will be suspicion. You know, when, when, uh, when, Hope, when Correa hits a home run, hold on. Are they communicating down there? Are they sending signs down that we don't know? Well, the report says that, um, that it originally it kind of evolved over time. They were doing whistles and certain things like, uh, hand movements or other ways to signal, and then eventually they did, they settled on hitting the the, the garbage can with a bat. Um, but again, it gets to this: this was player driven. The players were doing this. The players created it. The players initiated it. The players executed it. 
Understand, yes, the, the manager didn't do enough to stop it. How could he not be aware? Why are you banging the bat every time? <laughs> there seems to be something similar that's happening here. Why is this continue? Yes, he does bear responsibility. But here's but why is there no discipline whatsoever? Baseball is so screwed up on but this. Here, and, and my problem here, too, is that they can't... Who's to say they aren't going to do it next year? Here's Who's to say that they can't find a way to communicate the signals to the second baseman or to the runner on second base where that if he pulls up his sock and he adjusts his pants like it's a, it's a ball or I guess it's a curveball. If he adjusts his helmet, if he takes off his helmet, rubs his right hand through his hair, it's a fastball. Takes off his helmet, rubs it with his left hand, it's a splitter. Like there are so many ways to communicate pitches, it's not even funny. Well, you and I have talked about this before. Is your experience with coaching baseball? It's not something new. No, to to see what pitches are going on and try to steal pitches. What Major League Baseball is upset about about is using modern technology, Mm -hmm. and that's what was going on in Houston. That's what's been going on in Boston. But you talked about you know how does this taint the Dodgers and. the the legacy of you know Clayton Kershaw and yeah. some of his other great pitching staff we we should point out that, so a lot of the stuff that was going on was for the Houston uh, Astros able to do it on their home field because of the technology and the way they they had already set up but they won games away they won several games in Los Angeles so you have to keep that in mind that they were still a good team. Uh, they were still able to win games away from from their park when they, this was going on. So it's not like it should just be awarded to Los Angeles uh, in its place. But I still feel like Major League Baseball has m- really missed what they should be doing here. It was the whole point of all of this. No players disciplined whatsoever. From the ownership, from Major League Baseball, even though multiple times in the report, it says the managers, general manager and the manager were not involved with the scheme. It was player-driven. And some of those players are managers at other teams. They have significant roles elsewhere. But crickets on that. It blows my mind, Ajay. Yeah. I'm with you. It's frustrating. I don't think that these guys should be banned for life. Or should or, we? Sure. I don't think so. But I think that there should be there should be punishment. And the fact that there's no discipline for the players whatsoever is just really really messed up. Is he afraid of the union? Is that why? Is he afraid of a uh, making a decision that the union's not going to like? And okay, but suddenly as, there's going to be some as a manager, you got to stand up to a situation like this for baseball itself, right? Baseball had regained its purity, right after the steroid era. You know, after the gambling time of Pete Rose, it regained its purity back to being a great all-time sport. Then this shows up, and you have a chance to make a stance as a commissioner to say no. I'm, this isn't I, who we're about. Forget the union. Forget that crap. I mean, leave. I mean, that doesn't even. For baseball teams who have played the Astros in playoff games and have lost, and I don't understand how they're losing. I mean, how they're throwing the exact pitch that they're supposed to throw that they know this batter can adjust to, and and all of a sudden it's taking the right field for 335 feet for a home run. You're like, what the heck? 
So and it's it's for the it's for baseball itself, right? It's it's just to keep retain its purity. And again, it's been lost, and I think now it's even more so lost because, like you said, the way it was punished, um, the punishment itself, it it's just not right. I'm not with it. Uh, I'm interested to see what Boston's situation is going to look like. I'm sure they're probably expecting something similar, and they're ready for it. I'm sure Alex Cora is going to be ready for that too as well. So. Does hey but does does manager Hinch get another chance elsewhere after his suspension? Yeah, me too. He will absolutely. Me too. Yep, that's how it goes. We've discussed this before. Uh, made professional leagues like to recycle um, managers, coaches, <laughs> and he was look outside of this. Whether he he definitely he should have come down firmer on, to stop this mess. He was a heck of a manager. But outside of that, he's still a really good manager. He's a heck of a manager, Eric. No doubt. Absolutely. Hey, if you got thoughts and opinions, you can text into our show at 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. Or if you want to call in and weigh in and uh, let us know your opinion on the Major League Baseball's decision not to discipline any players, uh, was, did they go far enough or did they not go far enough? 435-752-1069. Join us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Full court press rolling on on a Monday. Just find it really bizarre that Major League Baseball has really had a chance to make a statement and didn't decide didn't yeah, want to touch it. They they had an opportunity to make a strong statement today, and they they didn't make it strong enough <gasps> because they didn't do anything to the players. Even yeah. though multiple times they say it was player driven. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, we're good. You know, just look. Let's just get it over with. Let's just move on, everybody. It's better winning, if we all just move on. Winning's all that matters. <laughs> hey, speaking of winning all that matters, uh, you and I pick six. Ooh. Um, Ooh, yeah. So, oh. how'd this go this time? I have I'm not looked at it at all. I gave it to you. Had you take the responsibility of scoring it? You've been on a hot streak lately. Yeah. That's the problem. I've, I've been, been clearing on a hot out streak. my drawer of goodies. And usually when I'm on a hot streak or when when the team's on a hot streak, they get cooled down and humbled very quickly. All right, this pick six. Uh, Russell Wilson rushing six, uh, rushing yards at Green Bay. The over-under was 50.5. You took over. I took under. 64 rushing yards. So you are up one nothing. Mm. USU assist versus Nevada was set at 18.5. We both took the over. 20 was their final tally. Nice. So it's still one. It's I guess two one you, if you will. Uh, Mason falls of points at Bear River. Twenty four and a half was the line. His average is thirty. By the way, he hit his average thirty one. We both took the over in that. He. I watched some clips of that game, dude. He's unreal. He what seven three point shots, dude. It's something about going to buy play Bear River where dunks. he's just like, oh, I'm home. <laughs> I guess amazing. He just like picks My on Bear River. Gosh. So it's three two at this point. Lamar Jackson, Tolly Arts versus the Titans at 312. You took under, I took over, 
His total yards is 508. Oh my God. 360 uh, 354 passing yards, 158 rushing yards. Wasn't enough. Yeah, that's the craziest part. That didn't even do it. So at this point, we are tied at three. Brock Miller, three pointers versus Nevada. Nevada. This is sad. We said two and a half. We both took over. He went one of seven. Oof. So we both lost that one. So we're Ouch. still tied at three. Trey Jones points uh, for Duke versus Wake Forest. 16 and a half was the line. You said under, I said over. He hit 23 as Duke uh, beat Wake Forest. So that gave me the 4 3 advantage. Our tiebreaker. Oh, look at that. Our tiebreaker was total points between the Utah Jazz and Charlotte Hornets. The line was at 229. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, your line was 229. Mine was 197. Total was 201. 192 to. Or sorry, 109.92. So you win. Why were you like grousing over there? I was trying to sell Playing it. Playing me. I was trying to sell it. Playing me. Did I sell it? Did I sell it well? So I'll continue that win streak and accept another gift happily. So I got the... the, the My bank account's also a gift card. would be great, sleepers, by the way. The like the little eye patch. <laughs> you need to go, like, go with that? <laughs> <laughs> I are you, may are you may using not, it? I guess that's I, the most uh, important question. You know, I I use it. Yeah, I use it. You know, when I when I know that uh, I am watching a Patriots game or uh, a movie <laughs> scene that I don't want to see, I just throw it right over my eyes and I'm good. It's good to have it handy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of winning as well, divisional round came up uh, over the weekend. Some good games, some shockers. Uh, I'll start with the boring one of them all. <laughs> 27-10, San Francisco over Minnesota Vikings. They run away with this one. Advance to the NFC Championship game again. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, was average, I guess is a good way to put it. Still good, but average. 11-19 for 131. He had one TD, one pick. But it that, was really about the defense. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that game was decided by the San Francisco front seven. They were harassing Cousins all game. What were they, seven sacks or something like yeah, that? Yeah, six sacks. Six. A total of 46 yards, though, Eric. 46 yards, man, on six sacks. Uh, Stephon Diggs, emotional receiver who is always whining about not getting a touch. Anyone is triple covered. Two catches, 57 <laughs> yards. And then Dalvin Cook. This is what amazes me, man. Minnesota can be such a good balanced team. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, nine carries, 18 yards. They finished with 21 rushing yards as a team. Yeah, they just they could not do anything on the ground, and really they struggled anything offensively. Yeah, that, I, that San Francisco defense was harassing just Minnesota gave them through the whole game all night. Now they they had the return of a couple uh, of injured starters: D. Ford, Quan Alexander, and Jaquiski Tart. Uh, but it just I mean the way that they they only allowed 147 yards. Uh, that, that's amazing. That's a playoff record for the franchise, by the way. And think about all the great defenses in the 80s. Um, but, again, it, it's a solid ho-hum win for San Francisco. They get home field advantage for the playoffs, which means they get to host the NFC Championship next Sunday night uh, versus Green Bay, which should be should be an absolute dandy. That's, by the way, it's the first time the two teams will have met, uh, I believe. i got to make sure I'm officially right on this. But someone says the first time that these two teams will have met in the playoffs since 1997, when they met in the NFC Championship at San Francisco, is that right? That can't be right. I didn't think so either. I'll have to look. I have to look. Those that two up. teams have a pretty rich history. Yeah, in the right? playoffs. Now I know there was some downtime for both teams, uh, but 
Yeah, I gotta I gotta find that out. But anyways, nonetheless, Packers, Niners, again, two rich team traditions, prestige traditions, and they get a chance to meet each other in the NFC Championship game back at Levi Stadium. Can't wait for that game, Eric. Real excited about it. I am too. I, I was you know the the, uh, the the Packers get there by virtue of beating Seattle. Uh, Seattle tried to make it interesting, tried to come back uh, late, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made some incredible throws in that second half. Oh, he was awesome. Just to keep those drives alive and just well, – he was oh, – I forget the stat. I have to go back and look at it. But he was like almost perfect on throws over 10 yards. And it was incredible <laughs> what he was doing to keep the drive, those drives alive. Now, there was controversy, plenty of controversy about where the ball was spotted on a critical third down play by, by Green the, Bay. So – You've seen several photos, as have I. The where the marker, like the stick marker, is, and where the yellow line is, is different. It was different. It's not the same, and I didn't notice that. It should. It should always line up, but it doesn't always. So line my up. question is: is which one's right, the yellow marker or the stick? Should be the stick. Should be the stick, right? So, the and stick. if that's the case, it's the first down, right? And that's what the referees were looking at. Well, then they're right. There's nothing controversial about it. But when we have modern technology, when we're all sitting in our couches and watching, that's a great point. There's the yellow line. Yep. That's the first down marker. Yep. yep. Uh, did Carroll cost this team the game? I felt like a lot of coaches in this past weekend made a lot of bizarre decisions. We'll talk about those two teams in a moment. But this one, do you feel like Carroll didn't stick with the run game enough that he got away from it a little bit too early? No, he needed to get his he needed to get his team back. Into I mean, you're it. only down fourteen nothing. Do you need to yeah. panic that quick though? Well, I don't third? know that it was panic as much it was look this. Let's go to our studs. Let's go to our great quarterback who's going to make it happen with his arm. Marshawn Lynch, twelve carries for only twenty six yards. He did have two touchdowns, both inside the uh, five yard line. His longest run was of eight. Russell Wilson had seven carries for 64 yards. He was also 21 to 31 for 277 and a TD, no picks. Sacked five times, though, Eric, five times. Aaron Rodgers, 16 to 27 for 243. Two touchdowns, no interception. I thought, by the way, Aaron made two Tom Brady S clutch throws in that final drive to seal that thing up. Two very close oh, throws. One yes. of them was on the kind of like a, a deeper out, but it just kind of tailed off a little bit, and he still was able to get the throw there. The other one was on almost like kind of like a wheel route, and he faded it over the, the defensive back's head and into the arms of Adams, I believe. Um, It was. It was Devontae well, Adams. Yeah, Adams had a heck of a game. Uh, yeah. Well, what was his Incredible. line? Incredible. He had his line. I don't know. I mean, he was lying. Uh, yeah. He, uh, or, uh, yes, he had eight catches for 160 yards. <laughs> 11 targets. 11 targets. And as long as it was 40. Yeah, I, I just thought Devontae was great. I thought Jimmy Graham was really good. He was consistent all night. Tyler Lockett for Seattle. Nine catches, 136 yards. Yeah, amazing. And they still lost. Um, but again, I, I look, I, I feel like Green Bay played a better football game overall. They got, I mean, the, they had the two big sacks on Russell Wilson on back-to-back drives. To eliminate, I think one of them pushed him out from like because they were they were going for it, pushed him out of range from going for it. And they had to punt instead. And as as mad as Seahawks fans are about that, look if you go for it and you don't get it that close to midfield, game changes. Yep, game completely changes. Well, look, let's for for Seahawks fans, yeah, it's it's too bad that the game went the way that it did that they lost. But look, consider 
where they were able to be and still be in this game, even though they had so many injuries to their running backs. Yeah, it's great that Marshawn Lynch was back in a Seahawks uni, but he's not the same Marshawn Lynch. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't really played football at all, all year long until just last week. So, um, just recently. So, it's not like you've got a real machine here like you used to. Not, the beast mode isn't quite the same. And, and there wasn't much else there. So, it's a lot of it was all on Russell Wilson to try to make it happen. So, pretty amazing what they were able to do, despite all those circumstances. But in the end, Green Bay just had more weapons. They just had more fluidity to what they were trying to do. They just made more plays flat out too, right, in the game. Yeah. When they need to get the play, they got the play. Defensively or offensively, they always got that play. So now as Pitt sets up a San Francisco-Green Bay matchup, as I was mentioning before, someone put out a weird stat, and I can't find it anymore. They must have deleted it because they knew they were wrong. But that they hadn't met since 1997, that is absolutely false. They actually met in 2013 at Green Bay, and uh, then they met in the 2012 playoffs. Yeah, at home, actually, in Levi Stadium in 2012. And before that, they hadn't seen each other since 2001. And uh, they, in fact, the Green Bay matchup, they've, uh, they won the one in 13. They won the one in 2012, did the 49ers. They lost the one in 2001. And they also lost the one in the conference championship game uh, in 1997. And the one before that in 96. So, in fact, Eric... This should be the stat that blew our mind. In conference championship games, the 49ers have not beaten the Packers in a conference championship game. Really? Yep. Hmm. They're 0-3. Hmm. Chew on that, Niners fans. Yeah. Let that sink in. Let that marinate into your taste buds. That's not going to taste good. But let me ask you this. Well, I mean, I know it's preliminary. It's really early. So far, quick early thoughts on this 49ers-Packers matchup. Who do you like more? Uh, in the NFC, I like the Niners. Yeah. I just think they've been more consistent all year. I think they've been more dominant um, in games that have, have mattered. Uh, I think that the what's going on in Green Bay is it's a fun story with the new coach um, and certainly got a very dynamic quarterback. Uh, but in the end, I just think that the, the 49ers are a more well-rounded team. and They're more built to win this uh, NFC Championship. Uh, AFC was... Holy cow. My gosh, let's start here. Tennessee <laughs> at Baltimore. You got the MVP candidate. You got the best offense in the league sending records. You've got a defense that's ferocious and mean that is setting a franchise record in uh, average yards uh, per game given up. Should be a slam dunk, right? <laughs> Someone forgot to get the memo to Tennessee. Derrick Henry specifically. How is oh this guy gosh, not the dude. MVP of yeah. the playoffs so yeah. far? I, amen. I'm with you. Derrick Henry is something special. The former uh, Rural Tide kid is just had a heck of a night. And, and now the Tennessee Titans are the, uh, have a chance to become the first sixth seed to go to the Super Bowl since Green Bay in 2010. And, and not to mention, not look, when the Jets... I remember when the Jets in 2000, uh, I think it was actually 2011 or maybe 10, when the Jets beat the Patriots... In the divisional game, after winning the wild card game, then beat the Ch- uh, beat the Colts in the the wild card game, and then beat the Patriots the following week, and Mark Sanchez became the first quarterback to beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady back to back games in the playoffs. 
at that time. Uh, and you look at and there's a similar run here. I think, and you know, that benching of Marcus Mariota, and when they got Ryan Tannehill, people said, why? Why, 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 why do you get a Dolphins quarterback who is, he was pushed out of Miami? Why'd you get him? Well, now they're like, well, don't let him go. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, Eric, this you, is a you, team. You get into the right system with the right situation, and good players will will rise to the occasion this that, is, that, when it fits. This game wasn't even close. This was all Tennessee from the get-go. Baltimore never even threatened. And no. that, that that's what amazes me. I mean, this and this defense of, of, of Baltimore just looked lost, dazed, and confused throughout the entire night. I thought the play-action game was great from Ryan Tannehill. I thought the offensive line did a great job of opening up gaps for Derrick Henry. And I thought the receivers made some clutch catches when they needed to just to make sure that they kept momentum on their side on third and medium and third and long uh, downs. That I thought the receivers were just awesome. Ball control, keep oh, the drive moving. Eight o'clock, two o'clock. Yep. And how about the uh, the jump pass for the touchdown? Yeah, Tim Tebow style, huh? <laughs> yeah. Derrick Henry uh, getting a direct snap, jumps up, throws it over to the end zone, and gets a touchdown. So um, that will be a really interesting matchup to see if Tennessee can keep that magic alive <laughs> when they face the Chiefs. Have you ever seen a game like this in your life? Who had some magic of their own going last week? Come on. It's 24 nothing. It's what's 24 Nothing. Twenty four yeah. to nothing. That's twenty four nothing in the first quarter, right? Now well, here, early in the second. Early in the second. And then all of a sudden, here's where I think the game flipped. Is when it's twenty one nothing, it's fourth and inches, and you and you're on the road at Kansas City, you go for that. You go for that ten times out of ten. Bill Belichick, any other coach, Mike Vrabel would have said, you know what, forget it, leave the offense there. Let's go get it. We get this and we and we score. It is twenty eight nothing. 28 to nothing. That field goal told Patrick Mahomes, told Travis Kelty, and told Andy Reid, we're still in it. Go score right now, and it's 24-7. We're going to make it a ball game. Then just, I mean, crap happened that we couldn't even explain. <laughs> Darwin Thompson recovers a fumble on a kickoff return. Uh, they, they, they had the three and out quickly, right? And then they get back in the end zone. All of a sudden, it was 28-24 at halftime, Eric. They scored how many unanswered points? Do you know? What was that, 40 or something like that? How many unanswered points did they get? Unanswered? Yeah. Uh, they had the 28 unanswered. Did they keep going after that? Yeah, I'd, I'd go find that. I'm, that's a good question. And I, I, Let's see. So it was 28, 24, 34, 20. Yep, it was 41 unanswered points. Texans yeah, 24 consecutive scored. points. Yep. Te- Texans did not score after the first quarter until 24 seconds left in the third on a Deshaun Watson five-yard run to cut it back to 10. And then in four plays, 72 yards in just over 92 seconds, Kansas City responds with a touchdown of their own. This game was over. It was over. Bill O'Brien cost their team the football game by not going for it on fourth and inches. And then, by the way, you don't go for it on fourth and inches, but then from your own 35 on fourth and five, you try a fake punt? A fake punt on fourth and five? (laughs) What the heck, man? Deep in your own territory. In your own territory. Hello, BYU. How do you do, dark friend? Let <laughs> us join you in your old dark cave. Fourth and 19 from our own goal line. Why not? I mean, just unreal. Bad coaching. Bad decisions. Took your team with a talented squad. DeHandre Hopkins, uh, Deshaun Watson. This team had so much talent, and their coaching took him out of it. Unreal. Tennessee... 
went up against a very dynamic quarterback with a lot of different weapons around him. They'll have to they'll do that again against Kansas City. Can they replicate that one more time? Yeah. Or does Kansas City just have more weapons, more dynamic play calling? It will be too much for Tennessee. No, to I, no, and look, I don't think it's more dynamic at all. Baltimore was more talented offensively than Kansas City is. I'll tell you that right now. And if it weren't for some bad coaching and some epic collapse, Kansas City's out of the playoffs and Tennessee's going to Houston instead. Tennessee won't let that happen. I think Mike Vrabel is too good of a coach to let that happen. I mean, and look, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, man. We're talking about this, this, this threat of a running game and this threat of a passing game and this defense who is setting franchise records. They're gone. They're home. They're going to be watching the <laughs> AFC Championship from the Caribbean. They ain't going to be in Baltimore watching the game. They're going to be on vacation now. I think there are a lot of similarities between Baltimore and Kansas City offensively, but I think the biggest is the defense. I think Baltimore is a better, far better defense. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I, I think with that, look, Vrabel, they did the tough part. That was beating Baltimore. Going into Arrowhead Stadium, sure, it's one of the loudest in the NFL. Absolutely, no doubt. But I think you look at Patrick Mahomes and said, that guy who's still favoring somewhat, even slightly that knee, is not as lethal as Lamar Jackson is. And their offense, if you can shut down Kelsey and get him frustrated, he checks out. He nearly checked out of that first quarter. And if they drop passes like they do and they give Tennessee all those chances, I tell you what, on fourth and inches from the 15-yard line, they're going for it. And they're going to go for the end zone. Yeah, for me, the real question for that one and predicting who might be the winner between Kansas City and Tennessee is whether or not Kansas City can get Tennessee off the field. If Tennessee can put together long, sustained drives and chew up a ton of clock, that could frustrate Kansas City. But Kansas City can get right back into it as quick as anybody, as we clearly saw this last weekend. I am inclined to pick Kansas City. I, I think KC wins this one. Um but it's hard to pick against Tennessee with what they've done so far. Yeah, so, oh, no. I think based I, on the Final Four, I, it's, I think it's going to be San Francisco versus Kansas City in the uh, Super Bowl. Do you? I don't ask me why, but I like Tennessee. I just think the way that they got their defense play right now, Derrick Henry chewing up the clock. Ryan Tannehill's got a lot of confidence right now. Receivers are unknown, but they're they're very good. They're they're strong. They're built. They're tall. I like Tennessee. I think San Francisco gets the win. I think Tennessee gets the win. I think got a Titans Niners matchup, which sounds just so weird to me. <laughs> that sounds bizarre. Doesn't sound right. Who would have guessed dude? that earlier in the year? Golly, when the season started. All right, uh, more to get through, more to discuss. Uh, we had a lot of other things that took place over the weekend. Utah Jazz still on a hot streak. Utah State back in the win column. What does the Mountain West look like now? A lot of different things to still get through from what happened this past weekend. It's all coming up right here on the Full Court Press. Number one here, the Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press rolling on. Hey, I want to continue talking about some football stuff. Certainly, we've got the National Championship game coming up a little bit later on this evening. We'll get into that as well. LSU versus Clemson. 
Who have you got in that one? Love to get your score prediction. Text that in. We'll get to those a little bit later on in the show. But text me what your score prediction is for tonight's championship game. Who's going to win and what's the score going to be? Text us at uh, 435. And now all of a sudden I lost the number. I want to make sure I get it right. 435 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. What do you think that the score is going to be for the national championship game tonight? LSU versus Clemson. I think this should be a great showdown between two really, really good teams. Um, highest paid assistant versus the second highest paid assistant. One's an offensive coordinator. Uh, no, excuse me. They're both their defensive coordinators. Uh, and so uh, which uh, which one gets the better of, of the other one? But the high-powered offense, a, a program that's been to multiple championship games over the last few years. So I think it's going to be a great showdown between those two teams. We'll get into that a little bit later on here uh, in the show. Uh, but some uh, Utah State football news real quickly. Uh, there's, uh, we're starting to get into these uh, bowl games, the invitation bowl games for college football. They all happen after the national championship concludes. Well, Utah State's got four players that are participating in a couple different of these games coming up, and some of them are this weekend. Dominic Eberly, he's heading to the 95th East-West Shrine game. It's on Saturday. It's going to be shown live on the NFL Network, and it's played at the Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. It kicks off at 1 o'clock our time. Eberly, great career at Utah State as a field goal kicker. Uh, Tipa Naliai. He's invited to play in the ninth annual NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. That's going to be played in the Rose Bowl Stadium there in Pasadena. That's on Saturday. And uh, that'll be shown on the NFL Network at 5. And uh, that'll be at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Now, Jordan Love, he's going to be participating in the Senior Bowl. And uh, that's going to be on the NFL Network in Mobile, Alabama. That's the following Saturday. That's coming up on Saturday, January 25th. That'll be at 12.30 Mountain Time. And then Gerald Bright, he'll be participating in the Hula Bowl. That'll be on Sunday, January 26th. That'll be shown on CBS Sports Network. So this will not be on the NFL Network. So it'll be on CBS Sports Network. It's played in Aloha Stadium, and that's at uh, 8.30 our time. So a little bit later. But four different Aggies participating in some of these invitation bowls. Some refer to them as all-star bowls. And uh, taking place all over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, Again, Dominic Eberle, Tipa Naliai, Jordan Love, and Gerald Bright over these next couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully they do well. These are great opportunities for these players to get noticed, get a little extra attention with the coaches, and get some uh, um, digital uh, coaching and evaluation as uh, they try to improve their opportunities to make it to the next level for the uh, NFL. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll get into the national championship in college football. Utah Jazz playing very well, continuing their hot streak. Utah State basketball with a win over the weekend. Still a lot more to get through coming up here on the Full Court Press. And again, I'd love to get your score prediction for the championship game tonight. Who's going to win, LSU or Clemson, and what's the score? 435-339-0321. We'll get through those coming up on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
Tonight, it's Clemson and LSU playing for the national championship. The game begins at 6 o'clock. It'll be on ESPN. A lot of similarities between the two teams. We'll get into those a little bit later on. We'd love to get your score predictions on how this uh, this championship game will play out. Who is going to win? 435-339-0321. Shoot me a text. We'll get to those a little bit later on in the show. Uh, also, I just want to pass this along, too, uh, before we get past too far past what we were talking about in the NFL. Nine different Mountain West players are on active rosters for these uh, championship games coming up this weekend. Utah State has two, and uh, Wyoming has two that are involved. Um, so uh, Boise has one, Air Force has one, San Jose, Hawaii, Fresno. Uh, they all have uh, one player each that will be involved in the uh, championship games coming up this weekend. So good to see some representation from Utah State. Um, what's going on? Darwin Thompson for Kansas City, Kyler Fackrell for Green Bay. So uh, we'll, we'll see if those two those two could potentially meet for the championship for the uh, Super Bowl in a few weeks. Though I think it's more likely that it'll be Darwin Thompson going to the Super Bowl and uh, not Kyler Fackrell because I think the Niners are going to be on the other side uh, winning that one. Uh, coming up next hour, we'll also get into what happened with Utah State. Comments from Craig Smith. Sean Barstow, I, I thought, had a great game against Nevada, and he has been coming along as he's been involved a little bit more and more in what's uh, what's been happening for Utah State. Kind of a spark off the bench that they have been needed. Uh, Namiya Keta is coming into his own. Uh, he played a critical role for the Aggies in that game against uh, a, a kind of a surging Nevada team, an improving Nevada team. So we'll hear from... Uh, Sam Merrill and Craig Smith as well, what they had to say after the game on Saturday. And uh, what are the current standings in the Mountain West now that we're back a couple games into the uh, into conference play? And what do the net rankings look like now after a weekend of basketball? Who's moved up? Who's moved down? And there's news about New Mexico, both good and bad. We'll update you on that as well. It's all coming up next hour right here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If you're one of those people who follows stories about TV ratings, you know how ridiculous the NFL numbers have been this season. NFL games accounted for 73 of the top 100 shows of any kind in 2019. This weekend, we were reminded why. It started with the normal game, the Niners blowing out the Vikings. But then chaos ensued. First, the number six Titans knocked out the number one seeded Ravens on Saturday night. It was the first time a sixth seed beat a number one seed since 2010. On Sunday, the Texans jumped out to a 24-0 lead on the Chiefs. Then Kansas City went on a 51-7 run to win. The nightcap was a duel as well between future Hall of Famers Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, with the Packers holding on for a close win. These games set up what should be a great championship weekend. Packers-Niners, Titans-Chiefs. If it's like the divisional round, it promises to be unpredictable. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.